March 29th, 2023. We're continuing in Maseche Berachot Randaf Yodale da Amud Aleph in the first of the wide lines, just two words before the end of the line. Ba'emine says the Gemara, there was a question. So there was this individual, this rabbi or student, Ashian Tana, this Ashian who was learning in the Beit Midrash of Rabbi Ameh. He asked this question to Rabbi Ameh. You'll realize very quickly that this question and this conversation has no bearing and no connection to anything we have learned or will learn. The only similarity, ironically, is not even the names. <clears throat> it's that earlier we had Ahitana Dever Bihya We had the name of an individual who was studying in the Bait Midrash of Rubihya who asked it of Rubihya. So to over here we have Ashian Tana Dever asking it of his rabbi as he studies in the Midrash. Uh, that seems to be the closest and only connection you have of the Mesadereha Gemara, those who are order, uh, editing and ordering the Gemara to put this over here. Anyway, the question was as follows. Hasharui bita'anit. A person who is uh, involved with, or uh, they have accepted upon themselves, it sounds like a ta'anit, or at the very least they're in the midst of fasting. Mahu om Are they permitted to just taste? Uh, what do we mean by just taste? We'll define in a second. First, the que- the articulating the full question. On the one hand, ta'anit, uh, a fast, is avoiding and abstaining from eating and drinking. And as a result, a te'ima, a taste, is not qualified or quantified as achila and shetia, eating and drinking. Or alternatively, is the acceptance of ta'anit, yes, we objectify it through the act of eating and drinking, but fundamentally it's about the benefit, it's about the enjoyment, the pleasure that's derived, we call that hana'ah, which you would have from a te'ima. We're talking about an actual fest or a personal fest? All important questions. So we have several things we need to deal with. Number one, what does te'ima mean? What does it mean to taste? How are you quantifying tasting? Number two, what sort of fast are we dealing with? Let's start with Rashi. Rashi on the right-hand side, four lines from the top. Ma'hu om et tavshil ladat im sarikh melach o tavlin. Rashi says that you're tasting uh, the food that you're cooking in order to know if it needs salt or spices. It appears from the simple reading of Rashi that you're tasting it and actually swallowing it. How would you know if it needs salt or spices if not for the fact that you're swallowing? Unless your tongue and your palate is very sensitive to this food to be able to pick up just from it in your mouth. Oh, they're saying that not even swallow. So uh, what I'm saying is from Rashi, the simple interpretation is you are swallowing. Right. Uh, Because otherwise, how are you discerning that? But it's not, it's not per se, I said, uh, you know, the, uh, a proof, because it could be someone has a sensitive palate, they just put it in, mm-hmm. and they pick up on it, it's supposed to feel differently, but it doesn't sound that way, simply from Rashi. Now, if you look at the bottom of the page now in Tosafot, so let's take a look at the second Tosafot, for, second to last Tosafot first, two lines from the bottom, To'em ve'en bekach kelum, says Tosafot, Piresh Rabbeinu Hananel, the interpretation of Rabbeinu Hananel, of course, is, uh, an early um, northern um, uh, African rabbi, from, it's a, it's a commentary oftentimes is on the side of the Gemara, not in Masechet Berachot, Shechozer Upolet. What we're really talking about is you spit out the food. You didn't actually swallow it. Because by so doing, it's not considered 
hanaa. Aval bolea, lo. But if you swallowed it, it would not be permitted. Well, let's pause in Tosafot right there. Now, the truth is, Tosafot is going on the answer of the Gemara. When the Gemara answers to'im ve'in bekachilum, there's no problem with tasting it. And in turn, says Tosafot, it's not even considered a hana'a. Right, in other words, it goes like this. The question of the Gemara, the way Rabbeinu Hananel reads it is, can you be to'im or not? Is it only hana? Is it only achilashtia, or is it any hanaa? The answer is toim ve'in bekach kelum, which effectively avoided answering the question. Right, according to Rabbeinu Hananel, you can put it in your mouth to quote taste it, provided that you spit it out. Even though the answer of the Gemara will appear to be permissive, as it says, yeah, you're allowed. To, it's not really according to Rabbeinu Hananel. It's permitted because you put it into your mouth and you didn't swallow it. It's not the simple interpretation, per se, of our Gemara. Other Rishonim Ra'ah of Hachne Sefarad and others read and interpret the Gemara in its simple fashion. The Gemara means, as we suggested in the simple reading, of, at least in the initial stages from Rashi, you actually <laughs> swallowed it. It's just a small enough amount that we wouldn't qualify that as Achila. Does any of this have any bearing of brushing your teeth on a fast? I mean, based on all of this, it sounds like all opinions would permit it because whether it's, I mean, no one swallows toothpaste, obviously. The water would be an issue. You know, is, if you the water, water. is the water being swallowed or not might be an altogether different issue. But with regards to the toothpaste over there, that's not going to be considered achila at all. In other words, that's uh, uh, to the extent that, although there is a debate about this, to the extent that many of the kashrut organizations will assume that toothpastes don't need to be kosher for Pesach. And the reason is because it's not ra'uila achila. So you're not going to even be considering this achila. So yes, very much the question of the Gemara is it hana'ah, but truth is it's not even hana'ah. So then it wouldn't really be an issue. Uh, what sort of fast days are we dealing with? Tosafot, right beforehand. Odilma. Hana'a kabil ale. So Tosafot, and I think you were really picking up on these words as well, uh, picks up on the words of the Gemara kabil ale. Kabil ale means you accept it upon yourself. It doesn't say that is the acceptance of the fast. It says you accept it upon yourself. And therefore Tosafot writes, Hailishna, this wording of the Gemara, again, in its delineating of the question of the Safik, is it that you accept it upon yourself, Achilanshtia, or did you accept upon yourself Hana'a? Hailishna, this wording, Mashma, makes it sound like Demayre. We're dealing specifically and only with a personal fast day. Which you accept upon yourself. If it's a ta'anit, which is written, seems to be referring to the Pesukim in Sefer Zechariah, the Pasuk which describes the four fasts that we know. In that circumstance, this would not apply, meaning it would be Asur. Under all circumstances, that seems to be the clear implication in Tosafot. Rosh alternatively suggests that maybe... Tisha B'Av and Yom Kippur have a special designation as opposed to even those fast days. Well, first let's read the answer in the Gemara and then we'll read how Shohan Aruch goes on this matter. So again, back in the Gemara, the Gemara says, here on the first wide line, a person who's involved in a fast. Question mark, are they allowed to taste? Is the acceptance that they had specifically and only for food and drink? Uh, in terms of eating and drinking, and this is not so. Odilma hana'a as opposed to any pleasure. Veha ika, and there is 
by tasting it. According to Tosafot, just putting it in your mouth, even though you're spitting it out, might be considered hana. And the answer is, in turn, it's not considered hana. Alternatively, according to Ra'a and others, the fact that you taste it just a little is not considered is not a problem, even though it is hana. If it's about hana, you shouldn't be able to smell it. You shouldn't be able to feel it. You shouldn't be able to look at it. Anything else that you might derive any pleasure or enjoyment. Uh, understood. From. We're not expanding it that far. We're saying within the context of food in going mouth. into your mouth, what to, to what extent do we go? Listen. Ultimately speaking, the Gemara does answer again. The Gemara There's not a problem with that te'ima. Right now, again, according to the simple interpretation, the Hakme Sifara, the idea goes as follows: the fact that you're tasting it, ultimately speaking, is Hanaa, and nonetheless, it's permitted. According to Tosafot, according to Rabbeinu Hananel, since you're spitting it out, it avoids the issue of Hanaa, and in turn, it is permitted. Um, okay, that's what Tosafot writes. Uh, that's that's the uh, reading of the Gemara until now. Says the Gemara, lastly, Tanyana Meache. Indeed, we have a Beraita, which seemingly accords with that Pesach Halacha we just mentioned. Mat'emet ena te'una beracha. Mat'emet, Rashi explains, is te'imat tatavshil. Tasting the food that was prepared. Ena te'una beracha. It's not a statement in the context of um, ta'anit, it's a statement in the context of beracha. You don't need to make a beracha on mat'emet. Furthermore, a person who is involved in a fast can taste and there's no problem. Uh, why would it be that a mat'emet ena te'una beracha? Why wouldn't you need to make a beracha on tasting something? Well, first and foremost, according to Rashi, we would probably, according to Ra'a, we'd probably suggest that the beracha we just suggested in the Gemara is uh, equivalent to the eating on the fast day. And as a result, it's an issue with regards to eating. It's not an issue with regards to benefiting, to deriving pleasure. And as a result, you don't need to make a beracha. <coughs> Um, uh, furthermore, according to Tosafot, the fact that you're not actually swallowing it, so we kind of understand in that context as well. Are you uh, deriving benefit? We're assuming you're not in that, uh, as Rabbeinu Hananel makes clear. Okay, that's what the Gemara says. And lastly, ask the Gemara, Ad Kama, to what extent, what's the uh, quantity of food that you can put into your mouth, either swallow or not, and it's considered Te'ima as opposed to Achilan Shetia, Rabbi Ameh, Rabbi Aseh, Ta'ameh, they would taste until the measurement of Revi'ita Log. Revi'ita Log is actually a sizable quantity. It's more, more than a kabeza. That measurement, that amount, until that would be considered, is considered te'ima as opposed to achilan shetia. And any bearing on when you need to make a beracha? Is it based on this? Or is it two separate things? Just in general, if you're going to have less than X, do you make a beracha? Sure, that's very much that's what the Gemara says. If it's a te'ima, no beracha. If it's going to be that measurement, are we considering that to be te'ima? If it's uh, less than that, if it's more than that, then one it's not beracha. Right. So, Shohan Aruch in Siman Taf Kof Samech Zayin in Saif Aleph. Hasharui b'ta'anit. If a person is uh, on a fast. You're allowed to put into your mouth for, quote, tasting reasons up to the size of a revirit. 
However, it's bilvad, and, and Mishnah Bura, as I mentioned, says that a rivi'ita log is a betza and a half, or bilvad sheyiflot, but you have to make certain that you spit it out afterwards. Otherwise, even a minimal amount is considered achila. So now you understand with regards to halacha lemaaseh berachot, we're in turn going to say even for a masha who it's considered achila and shetia, it's not a te'ima any longer, right? In other words, if you go with Rabbeinu Hananel or Shuhana Ruches, you kind of threw out any sort of zone of non berachav te'iman yom ki'an on the ta'aniyot. Continues Shuhana Ruchin writes, ubiyom ha-kipurim u'tshabehav asur. And Shohan continues, and as I mentioned this from Rosh earlier, he says that when the Gemara is permitting, even, keep in mind, even putting into your mouth and spitting it out, that's specifically and only on She'ar Ta'aniyot. Well, it's, we're including a, um, uh, um, what's it called, even the, the, the four Ta'aniyot HaKetubot, with regards to this permissibility. However, when it comes to Kippur and Chabe'av, you cannot even put it into the mouth in order to then spit it out. What is this measurement of the Kedere Ve'it? I don't understand. You're spitting it out. What's the problem of having the Kedere Ve'it in your mouth? The fear seems to be that you might, since there's so much in your mouth, swallow it. It really seems to be a Gezerah more than anything else, as opposed to actually um, considering it more than that. Um... Um, that that is uh, the the simple interpretation of this. Uh, continues Ramani writes Hagaviesh Mahmirim bechol Taanit Sibur vehache Nohagin. He says there are those who hold that we need to be stringent, as we saw in Tosafot, unlike Rosh on all four of the Taaniot with regards to this halacha, and that's the Minhag. Okay, continues the Gemara for our purposes and moves us uh, back to Tefillah con- concepts. Amar Rav. If a person says shalom, says hello, it sounds like, to their friend before praying in the morning, it's as if they've established them as a bama. What's a bama? A bama is a structure, a mizbeach of sorts, for avodah zarah. And effectively, before we read the pasuk, uh, by saying hello to them prior to so to speak, saying hello to God, you're showing a certain significance that they have above and beyond God. Is it specifically the word hello? Is it any greeting? Is it uh, any conversation? That's a very important question. Very important question, which we'll have to address in a moment or two, because uh, Talmidera Ben Yonah addressed this issue, um, because there might be a specific issue, Talmidera Ben Yonah, aside from others, based on the Gemara and Shabbat and Daf Yod, there might be a specific issue, because Shemo Shel HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the name of God, is Shalom. Simple interpretation of the Gemara is not so. Seems to be it's an issue with shalom. But under what circumstances? Are you really not allowed to say hello to anyone in the morning before praying? Give it a minute. Shene Emar, as the Pasuk says, Hidlu lachem min ha'adam asher neshama be'apo. Stay away from human beings who have neshama in their noses. Ki bame nechshavu. The Pasuk in Yeshayahu says, Bame. Bame means what is. What's their importance? Well, stay away from human beings. They're not so important. But instead of reading it as bame, how are they? bame ela bama. Read it not as bame. How are they important? Rather bama. You've established them 
as an altar for Avodah by saying Shalom to them. Says Shemuel, Shmuel Amar, not a problem. You can read the Pasuk without changing the, the Nikudot. Read it as, why is what have you established this read the pasuk as follows stay away from human beings who have that nishama in their nose because what are they important more than god why are you giving them significance in a way that supersedes that of god so either you have a fancy dirashav bama or alternatively just read it as simple bame Okay, before we uh, arrive at uh, trying to deal with uh, some of the details in terms of halakha l'ma'aseh, the Gemara will help us further. Says the Gemara, Mativ Rav Sheshat, question of Rav Sheshat from our Mishnah. Ba-Pirakim Sho'el, what's that? Ba-Pirakim Sho'el oh, Wait a second. Our Mishnah talked about turning to another and saying hello for one reason or responding hello for another reason depending where you are in the context of Kiryat Shema. Kiryat Shema is before Tefillah, is before Amidah. How is any of this permitted? You just told me I'm not supposed to say hello to other people before I pray. Tirgemah Rabbi Abba b'mashkim lepitcho. Rabbi Abba explains the only and specific de, um, isur with regards to saying shalom to another before prayer is b'mashkim lepitcho. Mashkim lepitcho means that you came to their entrance of their home and said hello to them. Meaning the expressed purpose of that shalom was not circumstantial. Mm-hmm. It was purposeful. It's not someone you, you're waving hi to on your way to Minyan exactly. in the car. You're going to their house, knocking on their door and saying good morning, and then going Correct. To, to Minyan. Correct. Says Tosafot, Mashkim aval If you bumped into them, heke, that's the best way to translate the akrai, mutar, it's permitted. What's the idea that underlies all this? As I understand it, the idea is the she'elat shalom above and beyond, because keep in mind what we're specifically being all saying, this comes back to your question, is it just she'elat shalom? Leave aside the question of does it need to be shalom or even as the Rishonim discussed, safrat hava, uh, good morning in Aramaic or hello in, in, in English. Let's assume that they're all forbidden. Um, uh, and it's not about Shemo Kadosh Baruch Hu. As I understand it, just saying hello to a person um, provides no purpose. It's not a practical thing. If I need to deal with you in some uh, issue, I say to you, here's what we need to discuss. If I'm just saying hello to you, it's because I am recognizing you. I'm validating you. So the She'elat Shalom has in it of itself a significance which says you're important. I do that before approaching God. Oh, that's problematic. That's bame nechshav. How is it that a human being is more important? I have something I need to deal with quickly before tefillah. I see you. Oh, that's permitted. It's reminiscent of the Gemara in Masechet Mu'id Katan and Daftet Vav. The Gemara there being Doresh from the Pasuk of He'anek Dom. The words of HaKadosh Baruch Hu um, to uh, Yehezkel, uh, which are telling him Dom quiet in the context of uh, Avelut. So as the Gemara, we derive from that, the Avel is Asur B'She'ilat Shalom. And I'll let us say hello. And I'll let us greet with hello. Hello. Uh, why, why just hello? He'anek Dom means be silent. The idea is that hello, that greeting is appreciating and validating the person. If it's conversation about something, 
That's not a validation of the, of the person. That means we're talking about something. So again, the shalom is purposeful in it of itself uh, for no reason other than validation of the other. And that is the isur. Again, to sit, to talk about some other matter, although maybe inappropriate, although you want to be t- dealing with tefillah in the most um, quickly and, uh, and speedy fashion as you can. There's no isur per se. It's the fact that you validated them through she'elat shalom that poses this issue specifically. Uh, says Shohan Aruch in Siman Petet in Sa'if Bet, Kevan shi'gi'a zeman tefillah. Once the time of tefillah has arrived, you're not allowed to go to the entrance of your friend to say shalom. Mishum, and continues Shohan Aruch, and again, as I told you, he's quoting from Rabbeinu Yonah, There's an issue specifically with using the word shalom. That's the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Gimaran Shabbat Dafyot. mutar lo marlo, it's permitted even if you're mashkim lefitcho, safra demare tob. Or tab. You're allowed to say to him, the morning of my uh, master should be good. But even that, Safra de Mare Tab, is only permitted. If it's in the context, this is what I was mentioning earlier, of a practical circumstance. I need to be involved with him for some reason. But if I'm just coming to say hello, oh, I didn't say shalom. But you still validated him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but I needed to be there, and I can't just get into a conversation with him. So then it's just a nicety. So it's just a nicety. You start your business meeting, and you say, it's so great to see you. You don't care about seeing him. You want to make the deal. Small talk. But you say those words. So then you say, Safra de Maritab. You say, good morning. You say, hello. That's all okay. And again, I believe we explained the reason and rationale for that. What would Shukhan say? What would you say in the circumstance of it's not maybe going out of your way, but you still are doing it? Perhaps you're on your way to Minyan. It's a 10, 15 minute drive. You want to call a friend and say hi. You're not, it's not taking the time out of your way to say hi, but you are still preceding your friend before God. In other words, your question is, are phone calls included in Mashkim Lefit? That and... Is there a difference between going out of your way to say hi in terms of time and in terms of, or is it just in terms of who gets the hi first, Bore Olam or the friend? Meaning, again, you're in the car anyway. You're not going to get to Minyan for another 10 minutes. You want to call a friend just to say hi. Is that inappropriate? That's a great question. Or, you know, you're um, picking up your friend. You're both going to walk together to bed. It's a great question. My, my hunch is, I, I, don't, I don't have a strong enough grounding, unfortunately, to say it definitively, but my hunch is that would be mutar. The fact that you're on your way to tefillah already, that's It's true you went out of your way in the phone call, but ultimately speaking, it wasn't preceding him to Borei Olam. You were in the car on the way to Minyan. Alternatively, I, and maybe I would probably be notele isur in this type of situation, it's before tefillah, and you're sitting in your home, waiting for whatever reason, and you're calling your friend in that situation. I think that would be hikdim uh, lefitcho. I think you're going out of your way, maybe not physically, but I don't know if it needs to be a physical appreciation in that context. And the minyan's in the store, maybe you're even sitting in minyan, you're waiting for them to start another no 10 problem. minutes, you want to call. That's not mashkim lefitcho. Again, I think, I think that's quite clear. Okay, uh, continues uh, the Gemara for our purposes. Uh, so says the Gemara after those parentheses. Amar Rav Idi bar Avin, Amar Rav Yitzhak bar Ashian, Asulo laadam lasot hafatzav kodem shiit paleu. You're not allowed to deal with your needs. Of course, a very 
subjective and broad statement, which we'll have to address, but not per se in the Gemara right now. Shene Emar. How do we derive that you're not supposed to deal with your personal needs before tefillah? Sedek lefanav yehalech v'yasem lederech pe'amav. Pasuk says, Sedek lefanav yehalech, we're reading it as the Sedek of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, being matzdik, decrying the righteousness of God, should be lefanav yehalech. That's what should walk in front of you. Only after you dealt with that, yasem lederech pe'amav, you should then set out on your path in whatever way and fashion you need to do. Um, and similarly, Ravidi Baravin said in the name of Amar B'Yitzhak Barashi, I'm Kolamit Palel, if a person does it appropriately, and only then goes out on their way, HaKadosh Baruch Hu HaKadosh Baruch Hu will fulfill that which you want. In other words, if you've done, if you've turned to Him first and only then dealt with your needs, from the same pasuk he can derive, Shneemar, Sedek Lefanav Yehalech, if you have first been Matzdikat HaKadosh Baruch Hu, V'yasim Lederech Pe'amav, it's not a reference to you then going to fulfill your needs, it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu then fulfilling your needs. In the parentheses which we skipped, um, there's an interesting reference because it says, Amar biyona, amar bizera, kola kodem ki'ilu bana bama. So that's an interesting reference. And you can kind of understand that, although we don't have the pasuk any longer, per se, of bame and bama, which we had earlier, but you can kind of understand that because whereas we earlier explained it, you turn to the other person and you validated them before HaKadosh Baruch Hu. He's more important than HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Over here, can you imagine? You're validating yourself prior to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So it's to a certain extent the same issue. In other words, instead of just reading this Gemara as a dry law, if we read it with those parentheses, which, which you know, were, were taken out of the Gemara for, for one reason or another, we can understand what the issue is. It's an identical issue to the Makdim Shalom Lehavero. I'm assuming needs in this context also means more optional needs, answering emails and stuff like that, not getting dressed, going to the bathroom, you know, more sure, practical. Sure, sure, absolutely. Uh, again, there are specifics in this context because, of course, you'll have to raise sorts of issues. In other words, you're clean. Are you allowed to shower even after that time? And other such matters, are you allowed to exercise? And those, these are all important issues. But yes, if it's bare necessities, which we call preparation for tefillah, that's permitted. Says Shohanaruch, Asur lo lehitasek bisrachav o lelech laderech ad sheitpalel tefillat shemone isre. You're not allowed to be mitasek besirachav, to involve yourself with your matters, or to go out on a journey before you pray. Says the Hagahot Ishmatzliah here in Mishnah Berura, Ubishelot Teshubot or Lezion, Chambenziona Bashaul, Katav Lehakel, he writes to be lenient, Linsoa Kodem Hatefila, to travel before Tefila. If your travel time is going to be less than an hour and a fifth, he writes that based on logic. What if you're traveling to Tefillah? Now, ultimately speaking, it's more than just Tefillah. You could pray in your local synagogue. That would be permitted. Another question which the Poskim address and the Ishmatzliach is Mekil 
Tefillan is what if I'm traveling to work, but my Tefillah will be at work, but I have a closer Minyan than at work. Is that permitted? Many people Meaning you do pray this. in the city. I pray in the city. I'm praying in my business. I have the Minyan there. Right. It's permitted to do it in such a way. The poskim, generally speaking, are Mekil on that. What's the logic to be Mekil? Yes, I am fulfilling my needs through that journey, that travel. But ultimately speaking, the mindset is dual. I'm also doing it with the first thing I'm going to do. It's not even your needs. It's you're going to Minyan. But you're also not allowed to be all there. But I'm doing it there because my business is there. Let's be honest with that. But you're not working before that. Correct. You go straight into the Minyan. And for that reason, it's Mutan. And for that reason, it's Mutan. Says the Gemara, Amar Yonah, Amar Bizera, Kol Halan, Shiv'a Yamim. A person who sleeps seven days without having a dream is considered ra, evil. Amazing. As the Pasuk says, Instead of reading it as savea, which means satiated sleeping, will not have upon him ra, uh, the evil, we read it al tikresh savea ela sheva. So we read it as vesheva yalin bal yipaked. If a person sleeps seven days without a dream, ra, that's bad for them. They're bad. What's the idea? Well, as I understand, the dreams are our subconscious ways of tapping into thoughts which we had. Um, perhaps the opportunity to envision and experience during the day, but we didn't. We were distracted. We had all sorts of other matters. When our body shuts down and all we're left with is our intellectual capacities uh, to do the work, well, then we'd hope that if you had something stored in there, if something piqued your curiosity, if you were thinking about something but couldn't fully articulate it during the day, your subconscious will jump out with you as you go to sleep. If you don't have that when you go to sleep, it describes a certain shallowness with regards to your daily activity. Ra! In other words, the statement, as I understand in the Gemara, is more about who you were during the day and less about something out of your hand so as we God didn't encounter you at night. So that's not in that respect. It's because you haven't prepared yourself appropriately because dreams are the outcome, the outgrowth of what you've thought about, what you've been involved with throughout. Amar Hanan. Rabbi Yochanan from the same Pasuk has an alternative derasha. If a person satiates themselves from Torah, and again, we're going to read the Pasuk now instead of Sheva as really Savea. Again, the word Savea means to be satiated. If you're Savea Yalin, so the pause then, whereas initially we read it, you slept seven days without dream. Now we're reading it, if you satiate yourself and go to sleep, evil will not befall you. What's the idea that underlies this? Interestingly, ironically, I read it the same way. The idea is, well, what is it that you were designating as a matter of importance to yourself during the day? The last thing I thought about was Torah. In turn, hopefully the first thing that will be in my mind at night will be Torah. It's defining who I am. It's it's tapping into my subconscious and defining it as matters of truth, matters of wisdom, matters of meaning. Uh, effectively, then, the Gemara, in its final statement for us, warns us not so much of matters that are out of our hand during the time of our sleep, 
but more um, uh, impresses upon us the importance of striving for proper thought, appropriate activity, engagement in matters of meaning and essence during the day, that in turn will inspire you when it's out of control. That in turn will determine for you what is your essence, what is going through your mind, even in the sleep-like dream time situations. Baruch Adonai Amen, Amen.